Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, uh. brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bruning. I'll be joined today by my usual Monday co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett and Mr. Matthew Fox. You can follow us at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, at Culture underscore Coach, and at Nighthawk7734. You can also follow the show at RoundtableFF. We have a pretty exciting episode for you. We're going to link up these next two episodes here, Monday and Thursday. We're going to talk about our predictions for how we expect the season to go for these teams today. We're going to talk about the NFC. Uh, We're hoping on Thursday we'll have Tony back with us, a big Colts fan that he is. He wanted to talk about the AFC, so we're going to try and nail down the AFC on Thursday. We'll also talk a little bit of redraft strategies on Thursday as well as we're getting into the the next two weeks are really kind of the big home draft, redraft season kind of weeks, right? Like, this is it. These are are the biggest weeks right here for draft, so we're excited about that. Uh, Before today, we're going to be talking about those two things. Of course, we are part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. You can follow them at Music City. City Drive-In on Twitter, I believe. It's a little bit short than that, but if you type that in, you'll find it. Uh, and you can go to musiccitydrivein.com. We have got fantasy football stuff, Debbie, music, movies, pop culture. We've got it all. It's a great website and a great network to be a part of. Go check it out. Uh, we also have a Discord that just dropped. So if you guys are looking for some help, you know, follow us on Twitter or hit me up on Twitter. I can post the link for you. Jump in there. You know, we've got me, Dennis, uh, Matt. We're going to try to get... Tony in there, uh, Ricky and Stoops who hosted Debbie Delight, and we're all five in there just trying to help out as many people as possible. Any questions you have, just in there talking fun fantasy football. You know, dr- again, drafts are coming up this weekend, so if you want to help, you can post in there. We have a whole channel dedicated to draft help. We'll help you with your drafts and anything else you guys need. We're here for you guys because you guys are what make us able to keep doing this, so we appreciate you guys. It's kind of our way of giving back to you. Uh, with all that being said, Dennis and Matt are ready to go, so let's go ahead and fire it up and talk about our NFC predictions. Hello! All right, and we are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. It is Monday the 24th. We are just 17 days away from the start of the NFL season. We've got Matt and Dennis here with us. How are you guys doing today? Man, this is going to be 17 of the longest goddamn days of my life. <laughs> Yeah, a lot going on uh, at work, so it's been very tiring, but looking forward to getting away a little bit this weekend. Yeah, I saw you get to go on a nice little vacation. I get my... You know, my did you just have a vacation? Yeah. Well, I went to go see my in-laws. 
Yeah, well, yeah, so I can classi- understand that. Classify that how you will. Um, <laughs> I, we are not going for a long time. We're just going for one night. They just have that giant lazy river. So on Friday, I'm going to float the lazy river and uh, go to the pool bar. And that's, you know, hopefully that'll be refreshing. It's been, we're about to set a record for days over 90 here. And as Matt knows, I don't have uh, a AC in my yeah. house. So every night it's about 80 degrees when I try to go to sleep, which is not the comfortable temperature I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I got not necessarily a vacation, but I've got a big uh, Saturday. This, I this, these probably next two weeks, I think are big, like redraft or home league draft weekends with everybody trying to get their stuff in. I've got a bunch going on. I think I've got three, you know, two Saturday, one Sunday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a little bit of like getting ready for the weekend. Cause I love getting together with everybody. Some of these, like two of these leagues, we only see these guys pretty much once a year. Some of them I work with, but like getting there and enjoying it, but then also getting it over with. Cause some of those guys annoy the shit out of me when we do our drafts because they don't follow the timer. They sit there and bullshit. want to take like 50 minute smoke breaks every 10 picks. It's, it's annoying, but I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite parts, favorite times of the year. So we haven't talked a lot of NFL news here of late when we've been doing stuff, just cause there hasn't been a whole lot of camp stuff. Um, Got a couple things here we'll talk about, see if you guys have any thoughts on them. Uh, the first one being Theo Riddick. He signed a one-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. What is your guys' thoughts on this fantasy impact for Josh Jacobs? Is there a fantasy impact for Josh Jacobs? I don't think I there's kind of think so. Well, people were – it felt like people were un, unfairly panicking. Uh, you know, when it yeah. – I don't think it impacts Jacobs so much as it, it was pretty obvious. Jacobs wasn't the receiving back last year. They had 36 receptions for Washington, 36 for Richard. I saw his signing as more of an indictment of Richard and that maybe Bowden isn't ready to kind of take over that role than it is of what Josh Jacobs is going to do. Well, I mean, Bowden isn't going to be ready to take over. He, I mean, he hasn't had virtually any camp. He played out of position last year, uh, and when he was playing in position, wasn't he playing wide receiver, not running back? Uh, he played wide receiver, running back, and quarterback, I believe, last year. So, right. yeah, he was all over the place. So he he's going to be, you know, he kind of reminds me of who, who's the old Philadelphia Eagle, college Brian Mitchell. Wasn't he a college? Westbrook. What? No, oh, no, 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 no. It was Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, Brian yeah. Mitchell. Who played? He was a college quarterback, but he played running back, receiver, yada yada. That's maybe you know that's kind of where Lynn Bowden fits in for me. So, uh, but I I think you just need to you know, Gruden tends to defer to veterans in a lot of situations. You know, he'll grind a rookie running back because running back is the easiest position to learn. But when it comes to everything else, he tends to to lean. Uh, I, I think uh, to a veteran. Yeah, this team is going to be, you know, it'll be interesting as I say that out loud because he did draft what, if you count Bowden as a wide receiver, he drafted three wide rookie wide receivers that all expect to get playing time. So uh, maybe he's pushing himself out of his comfort zone or maybe I have completely mischaracterized him. Well, so here, here's my thing, and I don't, I agree with you guys. I don't think it necessarily means a bad thing for Josh Jacobs. I, Josh Jacobs is definitely the more talented back, but I can't remember how the saying goes. But like, when someone tells you who they are, don't trust it. Trust how what they show you. 
John Gruden keeps talking about how Josh Jacobs is going to be getting the ball more. He's going to be a receiving back, yet they keep bringing in more and more running backs who their games profile more toward the receiving side of things. So from my opinion, I actually think that affects him more in the receiving game. He's going to be the guy who gets the workload. He's going to get whatever you want to say, 90% of the carries, 95%. But I think them keep bringing in these guys could be – Jacobs isn't quite going to get the receiving work that we think he is. And if that's the case, I think that does drop him down a little bit. I think we all had him pretty close to our top 12. If you lose out on some of that receiving work, you know, you can make the same argument you make with Chubb with losing that receiving work. It's going to hurt your value a little bit PPR leagues. And I think Chubb's a better runner than Josh Jacobs and behind a better offensive line, better offense altogether. So it doesn't necessarily hurt his fantasy impact, but I, I wouldn't be... If someone said they were going to drop him a couple spots because they think he might lose out on some receiving work, I, I wouldn't scoff at that. I think that's actually something I would do when I go in and redo my ranks here. That's well, but, what, did he miss time last season? Was he managed yeah. because of his shoulder injury? You know, he, he showed oh. himself to be a very good receiver at Alabama. And so if his shoulder is healthy this year, it could very well be that, uh, you, you know, they're just bringing in some spare parts. Well, I didn't expect him to be uh, the main force as a receiving back where I ranked him. I have him slightly, you know, a high-end running back too. So you might be right for people that were all in on him as a running back one this year. That that could be the difference. Well, the one thing I'll say too, though, Dennis, with that is, yes, he was a good receiving back out of Alabama. And so was Sony Michelle. And we have not seen that translate into the NFL for some reason. So I, I don't know where, where the disconnect is between Alabama and their backs that do good in the receiving game and when they come to the NFL, because it just doesn't seem to translate for some reason. So I don't. Didn't Sony Michelle play at Georgia? Uh, same thing, SEC. But yeah, he did play at Georgia. <laughs> All right, so uh, this, I, I don't think this is, is that much fantasy impact, but uh, Earl Thomas, obviously released by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, all kinds of different stuff going on with Earl Thomas and, and this offseason stuff with his brother, stuff at training camp. It's been a, an interesting offseason here for Earl Thomas. Uh, me personally, I don't think this means, but if you're playing in defensively, I don't think IDP leagues, he's a guy who is probably rostered very heavily to begin with. Uh, if you're playing in a defense league, I, I, I don't think Earl Thomas, uh, does anything. I think the best thing to come out of this, and I don't really like Derek Henry. I don't know if you guys saw that gif of Tennessee moving to sign Earl Thomas to uh, be a blocker for Derek Henry for, uh, was it last year's playoff game when he like stiff armed him backwards and everything? I thought that was pretty funny, but outside of that, it doesn't mean much for me except for the news I just saw a little bit ago, which I hope doesn't happen. I'll address that in a minute. What what uh, what do you guys think on Earl Thomas? Well, I think the Thomas news, who it really affects is Chuck Clark. So I think in Baltimore, you bump Chuck Clark up your uh, uh, rankings maybe a, a couple spots. And I think it was Jordan Reigns or Eric Harrow. I forget how to pronounce his, how his last name's actually spelled. Probably didn't uh, better than me. A so. couple of our IDP writers – uh, they mentioned possibly, uh, oh, which one of th the two reads that are safeties? One of them is a free agent, uh, Eric Reed, and uh, yeah, Eric, yeah, Eric, Eric Reed is a free agent. Yeah, so potentially that that may be a landing spot for him. You know, he's a for whatever reason he he doesn't seem to stick with teams anymore. He goes in, he has a good. Kind of reminds me of Kurt Coleman a couple of years ago, where he'd just go from team to team each year and end up starting and playing and 
being a, a safety too. So I think if Reed gets gets in there in Baltimore, that might be helpful. But uh, I think Cluck Chark is the real Chuck Clark Chuck. is the and real. Dino, he got to be the winner by taking a punch to the face. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, he earned it. Uh, the NFL Network this morning also said that they've been working with uh, Jimmy Smith at uh, at safety some this offseason because he's basically their fourth corner. I think. You're right in terms of this is not as much a, a fantasy probably impact as it could be a real-life NFL impact. We'll be curious to see where Thomas goes. Yesterday they said the leading contender, if he was released, which he was, would be the Dallas Cowboys, which would be kind of interesting uh, to see if he goes there, to see if wherever he goes, if he can mesh personality-wise, because he basically played his way out of Seattle he was only with the Ravens for a little over a year, and for them to eat fifteen million in dead cap just to get him out of the building gives me a moment of pause for a guy who we had seen probably you know as recently as a couple of years ago as a really great safety in the NFL. Yeah, well, see, and that's what scares me because the news coming down today too is that the Browns might take a look at him well, now. They're, with the uh, they're apparently. They're apparently trying to recoup some of the the bonus money as well. Yeah, with that uh, clause, whatever it is, the I forgot what it's more, called. Yeah, detrimental, to the team. detrimental yeah. to the team. But yeah, so yeah. Sometimes so, work, sometimes don't work. But the yeah. basic thing is, you don't release Earl Thomas unless you're fully prepared to. If you have to eat 15 million in dead cap, and that seemed to be what they said was, you know, it's worth it to us to take a massive cap hit to get this guy out of the building. That's a bit of a concern. I understand your concern. It's you know, it's definitely something to think about. That can throw the chemistry off on a team. Yeah. You know, that's probably the Ravens fancy themselves a contender again as they were last year. So they they're more worried about chemistry than they were about his contribution. I think you got to be looking at a team that that wants to make a splash. That's going to take a chance. Which Cleveland sadly almost makes sense because they had a disappointing yeah. couple of years. And they've got a ton of money right now as well. There was a lot of talk that they might try and throw like a one or two year deal at them. And I just, it sucks to see Delpit go down as well, man. They've had bad luck with injuries this year, losing Mac Wilson and now Delpit as well is uh, not, not, well, the other killing reason, a lot of the fun that I had for yep. the start of the season. The other reason you might think that Cleveland would appeal to Thomas is he gets to see Baltimore twice. Uh, yeah. Well, see his buddy Chuck Clark twice. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. All right, last one before we get to our NFC predictions. Uh, unfortunately, Cole McDonald was released by the Titans. He was a, a guy I know Dennis was high on throughout the process. I thought he might have a chance to be the guy behind Tannehill, uh, but they did. Did they sign Trevor Simeon? Is that what you? It uh, was so a corresponding move. They signed Simeon. Gotcha. So they try signed Simeon. I mean, is is anybody like? going out to their waiver wires and picking up Simeon in case Ryan Tannehill gets hurt again, which we know he has gotten injured in multiple Well, that was, the, that was the appeal for me of McDonald. I had a bunch of shares I had to go through and and clean out because, you know, who knows what's even going to happen now. But obviously I think that must be their thought is if Tannehill goes down, we're not giving it to him. Yeah. Dennis, any thoughts on your boy before we move on to NFC predictions? Now nah, he'll end up on a practice squad somewhere and probably even in Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, he's, he was coming from a run and shoot offense style, very wild offense. And uh, 
really was a guy who needed all of the offseason work he could get, and, and there just wasn't any offseason work with COVID. And so that's – I think we're going to see a lot more people, uh, a lot more players no, suffer the same fate. Um, some of the guys that were maybe trying to make make their way back, some of the fringe, fringe rookies that, you know, in, in years past would – make a team on special teams are, are going to suffer this season. Well, you know, what's interesting is they had talked earlier that they were going to try to negotiate that maybe anyone that was a fifth round pick or later, you could release to your practice squad without having anybody take them from you because that was going to be the kind of group that suffered the most because you, those lower round rookies, you really kind of got to see them playing, see reps to see who you're taking a chance on practice squads are 16 this year. So you should expect more of those kind of fringe guys to get a chance to sign back on practice squad. I was just curious that they decided to uh, part ways with him at this stage and not closer to the end when everyone has to cut down. All right, so let's jump into the NFC and start with the NFC East. Uh, am I uh, uh, sorry? I just got distracted there with that. My bad. I'm very bad at multitasking. All right, so the NFC East. I'll let uh, see Dennis. You're first here on the sheet, so go ahead and give us a, a breakdown of how you have the uh, the four teams finishing here in the NFC East, and then give us your bold prediction. Or no, let's go. Just prediction. Mess this up. Yeah, prediction. Well, I have the Cowboys winning the East with a ten and six record. Uh, Eagles and Giants both at seven and nine, and Washington uh, coming in at six and ten. Uh, I, I, you know, I think Dallas Dallas could could lead the NFL in fantasy points for offensive players this uh, this season. And I like Darius Slayton to be the Giants' leader uh, at the wide receiver position. Got a bold prediction for the Eagles or Redskins or or no? Just prediction. Just predictions. Well, I'm giving my bold predictions. I worked hard on those, so I'm I'm gonna give mine. So all right, Matt. So Dennis, you had it Cowboys, Eagles, uh, Giants, Redskins. What about you, Matt? What did you have ended up here with the NFC East? Yeah, the Cowboys winning eleven and five, Eagles nine and seven. Uh, Giants and and Washington, uh, both four and twelve, almost slipped and gave their old name. This is really going to take some getting used to. Uh, predictions. Um, I for Cowboys. Uh, I don't think Blake Jarwin finishes top twenty four tight ends. Um, for the Eagles, I think Rager ends up as their best wide receiver, uh, but their third, their fourth best pass catcher behind both tight ends and Miles Sanders. Uh, for Washington, um, I think Steven Sims ends up as their wide receiver too. He's a guy, uh, you know, it's hard to bet, bank on or figure what they're going to do, but that's the guy I'm betting on. And I'll go a little opposite of Dennis. I think uh, Sterling Shepard ends up as the, the top wide receiver. Maybe like actually it. makes it through 13 games. <laughs> I like it. We, me, Matt, you and me are kind of similar on a couple of these. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised how high you had some of your teams here, Dennis. I was not expecting the the Giants and Washington to be as high for you, but I had the, I have the Eagles winning the division at ten and six, and the Cowboys also making the playoffs at ten and six. Uh, as I was explaining to Matt and Dennis before we actually started recording, I had three teams all in the mix here in the last week of the season, and, and the Cowboys getting their last game win uh, with them beating. 
one of the other teams on here, I guess, was what kind of shifted the narrative of them making it into the playoffs. But uh, it was a close, uh, close little uh, thing here between three uh, teams here for me. I have the Giants finishing at five and eleven, and Washington going three and thirteen, and finishing as uh, the worst team actually in the NFC. My bold predictions. For the NFC East, I have Jalen Rager will be the best wide receiver, but none of the wide receivers will finish with 1,000 yards. Michael Gallup will lead the team in yards and catches. Saquon Barkley rushes for 1,600 yards, and Sterling Shepard finishes as the best wide receiver. And then Terry McLaurin gets 1,300 yards and just five touchdowns. That was kind of my thoughts there for the NFC East. So going into the NFC West, I'll, I'll kick it off here first. Uh, I was very high on the NFC West. Uh, Matt kind of connected us to this website where you can go through and pick all the games. Uh, And I did this probably 10 times because I kept ending up with all four teams in the NFC West making the playoffs. Finally kind of settled on this one. I don't love it uh, because I really do think the Rams are going to make the playoffs, but I don't have them in on this one. But I've got the 49ers winning the division at 13-3. and Uh, The Seahawks finishing at 11 and five, also making the playoffs. And then just on the outside, the Cardinals at 10 and six and the Rams at nine and seven. My bold predictions. I think Coleman will lead the team in carries for the 49ers for the Seahawks. I think Metcalf will outproduce Lockett in yards and touchdown. Uh, I have Kyler Murray finishing second in the MVP race was going to pick him as my MVP, but because they didn't make the playoffs, I don't think it happens. And then Goff will throw for under 4,000 yards, which he has not done yet since being in the NFL. You got whoever wants to go, go next. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go next. So I have I have the Seahawks at twelve and four, winning the division. 49ers, eleven and five. I have the Rams at nine and seven, and then I have the Cardinals at four and twelve. So oh, you geez. and I are definitely on opposite trains of thought. Uh, so I guess for um, predictions. Uh, for the Seahawks, I'll say DK Metcalf ends up with more receiving yards and touchdowns than Lockett. Uh, for the Rams, I'm going to go with uh, Darrell Henderson being their leading rusher. Interesting. For the 49ers, I'm going to go with Kendrick Bourne having the most touchdowns among wide receivers. And for the Cardinals, I'm going to say Larry Fitzgerald finishes higher than Christian Kirk. Oh, Interesting. All right. What about you, Dennis? Well, I I have uh, the the Seahawks winning the division as well, coming in at ten and four, with the 49ers making the playoffs. Or the Seahawks were twelve and four. 49ers making the playoffs at ten and six. Cardinals tipping the scales at a, a even eight and eight, and the Rams at seven and nine. You know, I, I like the Rams. I like McVeigh and what he's doing. But I feel like his first year or two, they they spent so much money. They've gotten themselves in such a cap situation that it's going to take them a couple seasons to be able to build up some of their positional needs. And that's what's going to hamper them uh, over the next season or two. So I I think they're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. He's creative. They've got some good players, and they could could surprise. The Cardinals, I – I, I'm not sure I buy into Kingsbury's offense, and, and I, I still have a lot of doubt with that. And so I'm still I, – I feel like I'm being generous at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, the, You know, I, I'm not 
I'm not ready to. I think with when you look at uh, San Francisco versus Seattle, you know, one of them is a, a real strong offense and an okay defense, and one is a real strong defense and an okay offense. So it, I just, you know, when it pushed them to shove, it, it came down to uh, me giving Seattle the edge. For a couple bold predictions or a couple predictions, I don't think any uh, running back is going to uh, get over 700 yards for them. I, I think they're going to end up throwing the ball more because uh, they are going to have some people put some points up on them, and so they're going to have to try to move the ball through the air. So And, and they spread it around. I, I'm not sold that Mostert can stay healthy or that Coleman can stay healthy or McKinnon can stay healthy or that Jeff Wilson is – is good enough on a week-to-week basis if it ends up being him. And I think Gerald Everett is going to outscore the wide receiver three for uh, the Rams. I I think he's going to have a decent year. uh, But between Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds, I think Everett gets more fantasy points. So, Matt, what is it uh, that you're not necessarily in on with the Cardinals? I mean, I know Dennis isn't quite as high on them as me. We only have a two-game difference, though, in those. You're, you're a little bit lower on the Cardinals. That We all seem to be pretty in lockstep with the with the Seahawks and the 49ers. I mean, all of us seem to be pretty close with the Rams. I know Dennis has them at 7-9. and nine. Me and you both have them at 9-7. and seven. So what is it about the Cardinals that you are just not buying into or don't like? I think it was just – playing out their schedule and their matchups. I also, uh, having lived through Vance Joseph, uh, they don't even have a defensive coordinator. Uh, so I don't really believe in in their defense. Um, you know, I don't think they're a terrible team. Sometimes you just don't have good scheduling luck. All right. Interesting. So let's go. What did I have that on? I lost my sheet. NFC North, is that next here? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dennis, I'll let you take it first here with the NFC North. Well, I have the Packers winning the North at 10 and 6, followed by the Lions at 9 and 7, uh, the Vikings at 8 and 8, and the Bears at 4 and 12. Um, you know, I know that everybody's high on Alan Lazard, but I think that the one thing that uh, Lazard doesn't have that Marquez Valdez Gantling does is speed. They've got a guy that does what Alan Lazard does, and his name is Devontae Adams, and he does it much, much better. Uh, I I think MVS uh, on probably fewer touches ends up scoring more fantasy points than Alan Lazard. Uh, And I think it's going to be the end of the road for Matt Nagy in in Chicago. Uh, I think the Bears are going to struggle this year. And, uh, you know, as much as I – as big a fan as I am of David Montgomery, I think they're going to he's going to get pinched by the Bears being behind and having to try to play comeback football uh, with a quarterback named Trubisky or Foles. And I don't think that's going to work out great for them. All right. So I had the Lions at 11 and 5 winning the division. Packers nine and seven, Vikings eight and eight, and then uh, Bears seven and nine. So, uh, for my predictions, I think Matthew Stafford ends up uh, top five quarterback this year. 
I'm going to go with Aaron Jones being the Packers' second leading receiver. And I think Mitch Trubisky will start more games than Nick Foles. Interesting. I have kind of almost the same thing on Trubisky there. All right, so uh, for me, I tried so hard to get the Lions in because I do think they take a little bit more of a step forward this year, assuming that Stafford stays healthy. They were the other team there with the Cardinals and Cowboys. It kind of came down to that last game. Cowboys were the ones that slipped in there as the seventh seed. Uh, I had the Packers winning the division at 12-4. and four. I'm still kind of all in on this team. I think they've got too much talent on offense and defense for them to take any kind of step back. I still believe in Aaron Rodgers being the guy. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm all in on them. My bold prediction for them is Adams gets 14 receiving touchdowns. I, I don't think they have anybody else uh, there that's going to do anything. I think it's going to be heavily uh, Aaron Rodgers, Adams, and uh, Aaron Jones. So the Lions coming in, though, at 10-6, and six, again, just missing the playoffs. Uh, my bold prediction for them or prediction for them is uh, Swift is going to rush for 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. I'm, I'm big on Swift this year. I had the Bears coming in third with at 5-11. and 11. I have Trubisky starts 10 games uh, for, the, uh, for the Bears. I don't think that they're going to go to Nick Foles like many uh, do think that they're going to. And then I had the Vikings finishing at 4-12. and 12. Not necessarily a bold prediction, just after the season is over, they seriously regret giving Mike Zimmer that extension. That's kind of my my prediction for for the Vikings. I think that was kind of a bad move, in my opinion, on their part. Uh, and I think the Vikings seem to be like an every-other-year team, and they made the playoffs last year, so I think this is the year they take a little bit of a step back. I, I hurt me to do that, too, because I love myself Captain Clutch, Kirk Cousins, but I, I just I couldn't. I, I, I tried to give him more wins, and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. So uh, let's finish it up here with the NFC South. Uh, I guess I'll go first here. Uh, so I had the Saints winning the division at 12-4. and four. Uh, I have Emmanuel Sanders getting more touchdowns than Michael Thomas. That's kind of my prediction there for the Saints. Uh, I have the Buccaneers finishing at 12-4 and four as well. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn leads the backfield in catches is my prediction. The Falcons finishing third at five and 11, likely, likely spelling the end for Dan Quinn there. Unfortunately, I think uh, my prediction is Riley Ridley, not Riley Ridley. He's not that good at all. Calvin Ridley finishes as a wide receiver three for fantasy this year. Riley Ridley would be the boldest. Yes, it would be. That that would be a bold prediction as well, him finishing as a wide receiver three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Calvin Ridley finishing as a wide receiver three this year. A lot of people are very high on him. I'm not as high on him as others, obviously. And then uh, Carolina finishing at three and 13 with Curtis Samuel coming in as a low-end wide receiver two. That is my prediction for the Panthers. Go ahead and take it away, Matt. All right, I have the Saints at 12 and 4 winning the division, Bucks at 9 and 7, Falcons 8 and 8, and then the Panthers at 5 and 11. So my bold prediction, uh, I think Alvin Kamara has a 1000-1000 season, 1000 rushing, 1000 receiving. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, for the Bucks I almost I want to say it, but Ronald Jones has his first thousand yard season. I figure once I became the highest to draft him in Scott Fishbowl, I just have to latch my star to that wagon. So I've just given up. I've be- apparently become you, Matt. Uh, so Falcons, I-, I think Todd Gurley will finish uh, top 15 uh, among rushers. And um, for the Panthers, I am picking Teddy Bridgewater to finish outside of quarterback two. Below quarterback two. Wow. 
That's going to hurt. Matt's Curtis Samuel. Yes. Wide receiver two numbers. You know, it's funny too, really quick, because I I had, I've obviously been all in on the Carolina Panthers offense, and yet I could not find more wins to give them. I kept trying and trying. I was like, like, I wanted to try and get them to like five or six, which I could see. But the more and more I did it, the more and more I had them right around that like four and 12, three and 13 range. But you know what? I think they're, that's going to take more than a year to kind of bounce back. They're trying to remake a culture and identity. They basically had to start from scratch on defense. That's going to be more of a killer in the division that they're in with the receivers and yeah. offensive quarterbacks they're playing. Well, yeah, they have, they have the worst secondary in the NFL, in my opinion, and you're going up against the Saints in Tampa Bay with Brady and Matt Ryan and the Falcons, so that's not going to help you at all. Yeah, when, when I was – putting their record together. That was really it. I, I I have confidence their offense will be okay. It's not going to be outscore teams and win okay, but it'll put up some numbers. But their defense is going to be atrocious, and that's really what's going to, you know, they're and, – and, I you, you know, Matt Rule knows it because didn't they spend, like, all of their draft picks this season on defense? Yes, He knows that they've got all their draft picks. Yeah. He knows that he knows what the job is. He's looking around going, okay, I got Christian McCaffrey. I got DJ Moore. I got Curtis Samuel. I got Teddy Bridgewater who will be pretty good. Yeah, but we, we don't have shit on the other side of the ball. So uh, Rule knows what the job entails, it, and he's got the security to be able to, to spend the capital to get it done. So I came in uh, just like you, Matt, just like you, Fox, at 12-4 and four for the Saints winning the division. Uh, the Buccaneers nine and seven, uh, Falcons seven and nine, and the Panthers a lowly four and twelve. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't think uh, Kamara is going to come in with a thousand and thousand. Uh, honestly, I, I feel like to me that seems like such a stretch because he just he hasn't. He's going into his fourth season and he's never been close on the rushing side and. Uh, it, it just to, I can't wrap my head around it. Um, for the uh, who did I have second? The Buccaneers. I think yeah. Dario Gumbawale scores the most fantasy points uh, for the Buccaneers. I think he is going to end up being that James White in that offense, and that's what uh, Brady is going to. You know, they're going to send Ronald Jones out. Jones is going to flare out. The ball is going to bounce off his hands. Brady's going to wave him off the field. They're going to send Ogunbowale in. He's going to flare out. He's going to catch a pass for seven yards. Then they'll bring in Jones, and he'll rush for three, and they'll punt. In the next series, they're going to come out, and it's going to be Ogunbowale. And he's going to rush for four. He's going to catch one for seven. You know, it, it's going to be uh, kind of that style of season. Uh, he's not as explosive as James White, at least the younger James White, but I think. He's reliable when it comes to the passing game. Uh, I think uh, Ian Thomas is going to put up eight touchdowns for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he may not get a ton of yards, but I think uh, he's th- their receivers are small, and I think Thomas is going to be the guy uh, when when they get you know the 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 nine times they get in the red zone and decide to throw it. Thomas is going to be the target, and then uh, I think uh, the Falcons are going to end up with a. 49ers style uh, running back split uh, to manage Gurley's knee. I think he only gets about 750 yards, but he's going to rack up a ton of touchdowns, 12 touchdowns. 
uh, maybe 14 touchdowns, and the touchdowns are what are going to put him up there where Fox said in the RB15 area it's going to be on the, the back of those touchdowns. Okay, two rebuttals. <clears throat> First, I have liked the Panthers the least this offseason. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm the one that picked them with the best record on the show. And second, I looked up Kamara. So in 2018, he ran for 883. And last year with a partially torn MCL, missing two games, he ran for 797 yards. Those are pretty close to 1,000. So I, what I, I I hear you saying he did he has never been close to a thousand. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, isn't this his fourth year? Are you just going to completely forget the third year? The first year he rushed for 728 yards. So he's been 700 plus, and he's been seven or 800 plus in receiving all but one year too. So he'll get you your 1500, 1600 all-purpose yards. Michael Thomas will have 180 targets and catch 150 balls. You know, it's like Bruning says, he's got Emmanuel Sanders, his best wide receiver, too, uh, he's ever had there. And, uh, but you know, I think you don't think that you don't think that helps the running game a little bit, too, because they're not going to be able to sit up on the line. They have both Thomas and Sanders going outside. Cook actually established himself as a pretty decent tight end. I think all those things can help other people. I agree, and that other people is uh, uh, Latavius Murray. <laughs> How dare you? All right, so not not much really to talk about, I guess, with the Panthers side. We all seem to agree that their offense could be good, but their defense is going to be kind of the downside for them. So the the Falcons, none of us have them making the playoffs. Dennis, you have them at seven and nine. Matt, you have them at eight and eight. I think I had them at five and eleven. I was lower than on them than everybody else. Yeah, five and eleven. So is this the end for Dan Quinn? You guys think? I mean, none of us have yeah. them making the playoffs. I mean. Did a lot to kind of revive that team at the end of last year with all the injuries, but if I'm assuming he doesn't make the playoffs, we all agree he's out. Yeah, I I, I think so, but I I could also see the Buccaneers going seven and nine and the Falcons going nine and seven. I could see him yeah. pulling it off on the back of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Hayden but Hurst. I do think it is a little bit like uh, what we had with Garrett and the Cowboys last year. If he doesn't make it. I think they're gonna they're gonna go a different way because they have enough talent on offense that they should probably be better. Yeah. He's a defensive coordinator. He took over doing the defensive play calls last year, which was kind of what ended up helping them, I think, a little bit with the either that or he gave it up, one or the other. He, no, did he took over like, he took over yeah, like mid year. Yeah, mid year. Yeah, and that's was. when they went six and two. Yeah. But their defense has failed them on a consistent basis since they started, and I think that's probably a bigger indictment. The, the best thing he has going for him is his players obviously like him. They played hard to try to keep his job last year, but they just they haven't put it together. They have to be thinking their window oh. is narrowing. Jared, Jared, if you're listening – Comment really quick on what uh, what you think the Falcons' defense can do because I, I agree like with what you're saying, man. That's what I'm worried about is I think the biggest reason their defense has been bad, though, is, is because of the injuries, and, and everybody's going to be coming back healthy. So maybe they do. If he's listening, he, he just commented on what – on it. What well, do you he might have dropped like- out. He likes your new pod room. He may have just jumped in and been like, hey, what's up, and then left. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, I – 
See, that's a, well, I, I was actually kind of surprised I'm higher on the Buccaneers than you guys. Like, I felt bad because I didn't have them in the playoffs on, like, any of oh, my other I have, ones. I have them in the playoffs. Well, I know, but I'm saying, like, I have them at 12 and 4. And I'm like, I, I didn't even have them make the playoffs and all the others. Like, no, nah, nah, I'm going to get roasted, so let's see them move it around, figure out I'm how to get them in. I think they're going to struggle a little bit at the beginning. You know, they got a lot of new pieces trying to move and – Jameis Winston was not great, but he was far from their only problem last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, they need to figure good, out so. that they, they need to figure out that OJ Howard is their best tight end and that they need to they need to draft a good running back. You know, they've got everything else. Those were their those are their issues. All right. Nothing really with the Saints. I guess if uh you know, we haven't gotten to how our playoffs shake out yet, but uh, if they make the, say, Super Bowl win or lose, any is, is this it for Breeze? Anybody think he comes back next year? I think if, if he it, wins, he retires. Yeah, if he wins, he retires. If he doesn't win, I mean. Another year of waiting for Taysom Hill. It also depends, <laughs> it also depends on, uh, I think, what he looks like. You know, in all honesty, I was I was going to put that as my prediction too, just a just a little jab at Matt, like Taysom Hill, the third best running back on the Saints. But uh, you know, I decided not to. I know. He will be the third best running back. <laughs> he'll be the second best tight end. He'll probably be the third best receiver. That's the power of Taysom Hill. Do have a point there. All right, so no, moving up to the. I, go ahead. I, Sorry, I actually talking about this. I I wanted that would have been my prediction if I had the Saints winning the Super Bowl. And it, well, to me, to it was that you don't. You're supposed to build the mystery. Now you just gave it away the, that the Saints don't win. We don't know that. Dude, that nation just left. They, they yeah. missed out. Half the half the fucking half the half the audience just left. They're like, oh, the Saints oh, aren't winning. We're gone. We aren't even giving. We're not that. Bowl. We're not that big. Yeah. Nola. We're not. We're we're not giving our Super Bowl predictions till Thursday. People come back. Come back. Maybe the Saints will win. Hey, no, Jerry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jared got back to you. Oh, okay. Falcons defense is going to be a lot better, especially with the addition of Fowler. Okay, maybe I do need to boost him up then. Maybe my five and eleven. This isn't final yet. I have time to change my whatever I think. Yeah, we're, they'll we're, be, we they'll be seven change. and nine. <laughs> they'll be seven and nine. But um, all right, so NFC North. Uh, I know. I think Matt, you said it. Not Matt, Dennis. You said it on Matt Nagy. Matt, do you agree? If the Bears finish there, none of us have them with very good records. I had them at five and eleven. Uh, what did you guys have, Matt? Seven and nine, and four and twelve. So, if that is the case, they're obviously not making the playoffs for any of the three of us. Is that also the end of Matt Nagy? I, I, I do believe it's the end. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I think that they clean house in the quarterback room. Interesting. See, I kind of, I think I'm leaning that way too. I think they give him one more shot and possibly get a quarterback that. Out of this draft, that's his guy. I mean, if they finish five and eleven, they're going to be picking toward the top of the draft. Uh, if they finish more toward the seven and nine area, then I don't know who they'll be able to get. Maybe Trey Lance if if he falls with the the possible chance of him doing that like showcase game uh, here this year against Arkansas State. But uh, yeah, that'll be. Uh, I, I kind of I'm leaning with you, Matt. I don't think they get rid of him just yet. It's only be his uh, third year, right? Yeah, he's not the one that took Trubisky. Yeah, and he arguably got the most he could get out of Trubisky in 18. I don't think Foles is really his guy either. Isn't that the GM's guy or? 
Uh, he has a connection with somebody there. I can't remember who it is. Is it Nagy? With mm. Philly? Was Nag- Nag- Nagy wasn't with Philly, was he? I swore Foles has a connection with somebody with Chicago. That's why they traded no, him. Nagy Nag- Nag- was at KC, so Foles yeah. was in KC for a while. I don't know. I know they have a connection somehow. I don't know if it's Nagy, but someone there has a connection with Foles, and that's why they brought him in there. But I agree with you. He, I don't think he's the guy. I actually, like you said, I know we're kind of on the same page. I think Trubisky wins the job, and and he's going to be the quarterback for most of the season, if not the whole season. Yeah, what does our friend Nick, uh, who's an actual Bears fan, seem to resign himself to Trubisky having the job in a very long, the darkest timeline on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not expecting much of them. So you guys both had the Vikings at eight and eight. Uh, I mean, anything you guys? I mean, I guess Dalvin Cook. Do you guys think he's back next year? I mean, there's a. I saw was it the report that he's not. A, I guess they're not going to negotiate or talk about his contract anymore the rest of the season. Trubisky is having a heck of a camp. We will see if he keeps it up. I think he does. I. If if Nagy can do what he did with Trubisky that first year, I think they can be successful. It's just I don't know if they'll do that. They seem to completely move away from it. It almost seemed like a completely different offense last year compared to that first year with Trubisky. And that, that might be the biggest indictment of Nagy. There was bigger rumblings last year that, you know, what are you doing as a play caller? And they'd say, why are you not running the ball? And he said, I need to run the ball more. And the next week he'd run the ball 12 times. So – I mean, it could go Dennis's way that he ends up going. I think if they're unsuccessful, Trubisky's gone no matter what. The question is whether they clean the quarterback room out and he says, hey, I need somebody I can actually win with, and they give him that chance, or whether they just start over both, you know, new coach, new quarterback. Well, did this GM hire Nagy? Yes, Pace hired Nagy. Yeah. He's also the one that traded up to get Trubisky, though, right? So, I mean, yeah, his one spot move well, to get Trubisky. Still ended up being dumb, sort of. No, no, I agree with you. Completely dumb. You could have waited for Trubisky to fall to you if that's who you really wanted, number one. If you would have traded, uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't say anything because I did like Trubisky somewhat. Come, I mean, yeah. we can't. Revisionist history. If anybody tells you they like Patrick Mahomes coming out of college, they're full of shit. Nobody was talking no, about Patrick Watson. Mahomes. Oh, I agree with you. Yes, I thought that's who they were they were trading up to get. Like, I was pissed when Houston traded up with the Browns, when I don't even remember who the Browns had as their quarterback. And I was like, all right, how the hell did Deshaun Watson come with the Browns? And then here come the Texans. And like, oh, yeah, we'll trade with you. Come up and take Deshaun Watson. Now, granted, we got Baker, and I love Baker, so I'm happy now. But at the time, I was at a bar with a bunch of friends, and I was fucking pissed when that happened because I really thought the Browns were going to take Deshaun Watson. We were going to have our quarterback of the future. So, Vikings, if you're being honest, though, we'd have fucked Watson up by now anyways. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, they, the, the difference is, I mean, look at what Houston's done with them. They've done everything they can to ruin that guy's career, and he's made it work. So I think he could have made it work in Cleveland. We're not as bad. Like, we've actually had a decent offensive line compared to Houston. Houston likes throwing guys like us out there. I'm like, hey, you know, Deshaun Watson, run for your life on every play. And he seems to make it work. So I think he could have made it work in Cleveland. I may be old, but I'm slow too. So, well, yeah, I was, I'm a dude. I'd get killed. For Houston, to answer your other question, I don't think Cook ends up back with Minnesota. He seems to want a level of payment that they're not comfortable with, but somebody will be. 
See, I don't think they even have the cap room for it either. I think we talked about this earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of their problem, yeah. Uh, well, Cook is going to have to stay healthy all season and not miss any time. I mean, he, he he's he's not going to be able to afford to get dinged up and leave early, even if he plays the next week. You know, there he's going to have to to be a workhorse and show them. I look; those other things were a fluke. I, I'm your guy, but even then, the 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 free agent running back stuff over the next couple of years is is. Getting pretty heavy, and we've got some super good uh, uh, running backs coming into the league, rookie running backs. So it, it it'll be interesting to see. I I feel like his staying is going to be tied to whether or not Zimmer stays. If well, Zimmer he got the screws, extension. I think well, yeah, what, that doesn't mean he's staying. I mean, they, yeah, they finished four and twelve the way that you predict. Ah, well, yeah, that's why my prediction is they're going to seriously regret reassigning him to an extension. Like I think he had a a whole another year left on his contract. Like why don't you just let the year play out? I mean, they haven't been. Was it with the year with Case Keenum? They had that really good year, right? I mean, they haven't been yeah. that since bringing even over Kirk Cousins. So I think it's a better quarterback so, than Case Keenum, but they haven't been that. Here's the other question that I have is we've talked about this kind of unprecedented off season and what's going to be kind of an unprecedented season is likely to help some players, especially younger players get something of a pass. I personally sort of wonder if it's going to give some of these borderline coach situations a pass. You know, does a, a Matt Nagy finish seven and nine, and there's a lot of frustration, but it's also, you know, yeah, you got me fools, but I didn't get to t- uh, to talk to him until August. I didn't get to put him on the field until it was already counting against me. So how can you hold this against me? People that were trying to rebuild or trying to retool, you know, do, do you get more grace, um, you know, because of that? It's you know the Zimmer thing. What I I feel like some coaches are going to get some grace and some are not. Zimmer I don't think is going to because he's been there a long time. If they go four and twelve, uh, Rick Spielman is going to have to fire him to save his job. And and so I to me Spielman will make that change to try and keep his job. But that's where I think some of these like first year coaches and stuff. We've seen the last couple of years guys come in. And they've only had one season. Or like, let's say the Cardinals end up where I have them, where they bomb out again. I actually think they may give Kingsbury grace because they're trying to turn some stuff over because they're in a competitive division. Whereas, you know, if it was a normal year, we saw obviously, you know, Kitchens underperformed in one year with a team where people had questions about his play calling, and you're gone. Wow. I think Kitchen had a hell of a lot more special, questions yeah. than his play calling. A little bit of a special circumstance. It kind of like because you don't see it that much. I mean, how how many coaches have really been fired after one year? You had Freddie Kitchens. I know was it was it was it uh, uh I know the 49ers guy, and I can't he think of what his name Jared is. Arizona, Chip Kelly, Jim Tomasula. Yeah, Tomasula. Well, Chip Kelly, but see, Chip Kelly and Freddie Kitchens have been put in the same group in the fact that they just were horrible. I don't think Tom Sula was the guy they wanted, and I think that's why they fired him. Uh, so I, I don't 
Kingsbury, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I do buy into his offense a little bit more than others. I think he's safe regardless. I think when they came in there, they said they wanted him. They knew the Cardinals were going to be a little bit of a work in progress. It was not mm-hmm. a team that was going to turn around right away. I, I, I don't think he's got anything to worry about. I, here's a guy that I do have a question for. Is you guys both have the Lions finishing at the top of the division. So Matt Patricia is a guy that's on the hot seat. Uh, mm-hmm. They've kind of come out and said it beforehand. So if he does win and make it into the playoffs, obviously I would think his job is safe. But if he doesn't and say they finish like what I have, 10-6, and six, still a really good record and just missing the playoffs, do you think he gets fired then? Or do you think no. he kind of gets that grace period? Yeah, They'd have at to be, ten and six, I think he's safe. Yeah, I, I think even if they're eight and eight and they have a if a couple fluky things happen, I think that you know because Quinn is you know him and Quinn go way back. They've been together for in New England, and so they're on the same page. And they've they're selling this. We're building this. Not exactly the page. We're building it our. We're building it the lion way, but we need to do it the way we've seen it done by the Patriots, and we're, we need yeah. to get things in place. And it's you know you don't build a foundation all in one day. If or the three wheels years. come off and they're like three twelve and one like they were last year, and they can't win in the second half, then then he's gone. But you know, I think if they're I'm with Dennis, eight and eight or above, and you're you're competing and you're showing some good things. No. All right. So not really anything in the NFC West to talk about. We already kind of mentioned the Cardinals. I guess, Dennis, you're the only one who hasn't chimed in on this. Do you think if, say, the Cardinals, you have them at four – I'm sorry, you have them at eight and eight. So say they finish four and 12, like Matt has predicted. Do you think Kingsbury is safe regardless, or do you think he could be on the hot seat? I think he'll be safe. Um but I think he should be fired because I, I you know, I, I, I've went through, I, I went, I, I came up with eight wins for them and what did I have there? Let me see what their uh, division record was through eight wins. Uh, I have them one in five in their division. So their, their eight wins are virtually all coming outside of their division and I suppose they can make the case, well, we're in a really tough division, but I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I don't buy into his offense. I just don't. I'm struggling with it. I, yeah, I think there's, such, I'm kind of with you that I, I think he will be safe even if they struggle, but they may start over on defense. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's their biggest issue is their defense, their defense and their uh, offensive line. Yeah. 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 Those, those are the big things. But, same thing we just I was just talking about with Watson having Kyler Murray back there helps make your offensive line look better than it really is. And that's where I kind of think if they can improve that defense, what Kyler Murray can do for you with his legs and then the wide receivers he has around, especially adding a guy like Hopkins, I think kind of helps that offense be better than what it probably would be if you had like as much as I hate it, like a guy like Baker back there. If you had Baker back there, he's not extending the plays for you as much as a guy like Murray and Watson are where he, those guys kind of make your offense look better than it probably really is. I mean, uh, why draft offensive line defensive players we keep, when you can draft guys like Andy Isabella in the second round? Well, that's not a, that's not a Kingsbury thing though. That's a front office <laughs> thing. That's my, yeah. That was, you don't think Kingsbury was there. Well, yeah, but I don't think Kingsbury has the final say. Like, he may be like, hey, I like Andy Isabella, but I think all of us think that was probably a, re- a reach in the second round. I don't remember anybody thinking he was a uh, second round worthy. So I don't, 
was it is it Steve Kime, right? Is he the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals? That's that's a Kime thing, not a Kingsbury thing. The only thing I think Kingsbury had a full say in was, hey, we're taking Kyler Murray at one. And then Kime was like, okay, let's do it after taking Rosen. So uh, not a terrible decision since uh, no, not at all. Rosen, I, Rosen. I had Rosen as my worst quarterback in that class to begin with. I, I don't, I didn't understand why why everybody liked him so much. Uh, NFC East. I do kind of want to ask about this. This kind of came out over the weekend. I don't know if this factored at all into your guys' decisions. It did a little bit for me. Is the possibility of Ron Rivera missing games affect you guys at all, and and how you think Washington could do this year? I think it would become a rallying cry if he misses okay. games. Uh, who's who's going to be coaching if he's out? Jack Del Rio. Uh, Jack Del Rio. Yeah, so, you know, and he's a he, I, he's a Del Rio's a good coach. So I don't think they really miss a beat if uh, Del Rio uh, ends up having to coach a few games. Um, I don't know. I I like the way where the Redskins are headed. They've got a, they've got a strong defense. So they could potentially. Which one of us was going to go hit the old name? (laughs) Oh, 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 he said, (laughs) gotcha. Um, I I like them uh, as a team and the way they're growing. They've got a a good, they've got some real, real good pieces on defense. And with Haskins and McLaurin, um, Steve Sims, I was bummed to see Harmon get injured, uh, but if Antonio Gandy Golden uh, can come out and, and be what we think he is, Bryce Love, you know, I'm not sold on Gibson. Uh, I have to, I'm going to have to see that happen before. You know, I'm, I'm not going to have him on any teams because I'm just not willing to pay up for him at this point. So, uh, but I, I, I feel like they've got, uh, they've started a, a process now. And they're they're going to be a couple of years, and and uh, Rivera can manage that process without running things twenty hours a day on a day to day basis. He can still manage that stuff. So they may have to bring in somebody, uh, another real strong defensive coach, if Del Rio has to step up uh, on a semi regular basis. But uh, I, I like where they're going. Yeah, I I think they have a good they have some some good young players. I don't think that they were going to be a winning team regardless. It's kind of sad what happened to Rivera. I actually think they're you know, they they have a pool of potential options at running back, a pool of potential options at tight end, a pool of potential options at wide receiver, you know, other than Terry McLaurin, I don't think anybody has like a firm position. I feel like a lot of the season is going to be trying different combinations and seeing who's going to end up emerging to be that kind of team going forward. They have some good young talent on defense. They are a team that's going to take much more than a year to change the culture. It's there have been, there were a lot of problems before Ron Rivera got there. Uh, the organization has done everything humanly possible to dump on him this off season. I mean, it's amazing the kind of things that they've had to go through and and it's even spilled over onto the field. Like if you're thinking you have a potential talent like Darius Geis, who's going to be a guy that you can pour into at running back and then you have to jettison him. And that was definitely the right decision. That was, you know, 
you needed to go. But now you have more probably questions than answers. You still have Adrian Peterson there. He's definitely not your long-term solution. You signed a host of players that made most of us chuckle and like the Peyton Barbers and JD McKissicks of the world, Bryce love. Can he come back? Can he be anything? Antonio Gibson? What can he be? I think this is going to be kind of a finding your way season that might bear fruit in 2021 or 2022. Yeah. That, that's kind of why I had them so low. Like I, I love their defense. They've got so many good pieces on that defense. And I think having Rivera and Del Rio there is going to help kind of mold that defense into a really good defense. I, I don't think Washington's going to get blown out in a lot of games. I actually think they're going to be able to keep games close. What worries me is kind of what you were just mentioning there, Matt, is I know Terry McLaurin's good. I think AGG is good. I think Steven Sims is good. They don't have anybody at tight end. You know, I was I was hoping to see Kelvin Harmon out there. I think Bryce Love can be good. I don't trust anybody else in that running back field. Like, I get Adrian Peterson was good last year. And he's an all, Hall of Fame talent and a phenomenal running back who doesn't seem to age at all he's eventually going to not be able to like run and do what he's been doing. And that could happen this year. Maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but that was kind of, for me, their offensive line is horrible. That's worries me about Dwayne Haskins. Kind of the same thing I was just saying about Baker a minute ago is Dwayne Haskins is not going to buy you much time. So he's going to have to rely on AGG, Terry McLaurin, Steven Sims to get open quickly because they don't have the offensive line to protect him. And he's not going to do much to avoid those tackles. So I'm with you. I, I I do think that they could be competitive next year if they're able to kind of fin- figure out that offensive line a little bit because that defense is going to be good. I believe in Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, and if you know AGG or Stevenson steps up and kind of becomes that that other guy, that beta to to uh, Terry McLaurin's alpha, then they are going to have a good offense, in my opinion. They just need to figure out that offensive line. Well, I just pulled up a quick mock draft from Draft Site, and they have uh-huh. uh, Washington taken. Uh, Panay Sewell out of Oregon, an offensive tackle in the okay. first, and Creed Humphrey, a center from Oklahoma, in the second uh, next season. So there you go. If if they, if, if Washington, you know, the, let let's play mix and match this season with the skill positions and yeah. see what kind of depth we really have. Are we gonna, you, you know, McLaurin coming out? There weren't a lot of people hanging their hats saying this is a blue chipper. If they can hit on a couple, whether it's Love or whether it's Gibson or Gandy Golden, uh, then may, maybe that's the that gives them those pieces to be able to, you know, do a Carolina and draft two, three, or four offensive linemen next season and really bolster that. Should we talk about the elephant in the locker room? Uh, do you guys think that Alex Smith puts any pressure on what they're looking at doing? I don't, but I could be wrong. I, I mean, I, I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he's back. Obviously, I still I, I haven't got a chance to finish watching that ESPN piece on him. I heard it's really good. I don't know if either one of you have watched it yet, yeah. uh, but I heard it's really good. I want to finish watching it. So far, it's been good. I, I don't like some of the pictures they show of the dude's leg. I'm yeah, not good when it comes that's to That's the one where his leg looked like the body. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good with stuff like that. So it's not easy to watch for me, but uh, – no, I, I don't. I can see him winning the backup job for sure, and I do think that they'll give him a shot to get on the field and possibly do some stuff. But you know, and again, this may be some buckerize, some Buckeye Homerism here. Uh, I don't think I, I, Haskins is good. I think he's showing a little bit now of it with some of the stuff that they've been posting of what he's been doing in camp. I think 
He was screwed last year with a coach who didn't want him. When they threw him out there, he wasn't given any chance to succeed. I think this is going to be a year. Ron Rivera does seem to believe in him. I, I just I, I don't see it with Alex Smith. I could be wrong, but I, I don't see him being any kind of real threat to Dwayne Haskins. I concur. All right, so let's run through our playoffs really quick and let's get out of here. Dennis, I'll let you go first. Kind of give us your how your seedings worked out and then who gets up to making it to the Super Bowl for the NFC. Well, let me get my thing back up. I do. Okay, I can go if you – I don't and know. I've remember, got my this up, is so. the uh, first year with seven teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got to open it back up after, after okay. getting lectured about – my uh, my uh, Saints Saints talk there. Right. I, I will I will give mine. I will give. Uh, so I have the 49ers as the one seed. The Saints as the two seed. I have the Packers as the three seed, and the Eagles as the four seed. Buccaneers the five. Seahawks the six. Cowboys the seven. So in the first round, uh, I have Cowboys Saints. I think the Saints beat the Cowboys there. I have the Eagles Buccaneers. The Eagles winning that, and the Seahawks and the Packers with the Seahawks winning. Going into the second round, Saints, Eagles. I have the Saints beating the Eagles and then the Seahawks 49ers with the Seahawks pulling an upset over the 49ers in that one. Uh, Saints, Seahawks battling for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and I have the Saints winning it to go to the Super Bowl. So that that is my NFC playoff predictions. Uh, Matt, I'll let you go next in case Dennis is still pulling his up. Go ahead. My uh, seeds, I have the Saints as the one seed getting the lone first round bye. Seahawks, two seed, Cowboys, three seed, Lions, the four seed, 49ers, the five seed, Buccaneers, the six seed, Packers, the seven seed. In the wild card round, I have the 49ers upsetting the Lions to move on, Cowboys taking out the Buccaneers, and the Seahawks taking out the Packers. In the divisional round, I have the Saints uh, beating the 49ers at home. Uh, Hopefully they can actually win a home playoff game this year. Uh, and then I have the Cowboys uh, upending the Seahawks. Uh, and then in the NFC Championship game, I have the Saints over the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. All right. I, I got my stuff together. So <laughs> I had I, – I, I have New Orleans getting the first seed, um, Seattle the two seed, Dallas the three, uh, Green Bay the fourth, San Francisco fifth, Tampa sixth, and Detroit, the seventh seed, uh, getting in that last, that brand new spot. Uh, in the wild card, uh, I have San Francisco over Green Bay, Dallas over Tampa, and uh, Seattle over Detroit. As much as I want to pick Detroit to win a playoff game, uh, I, I, being a lifelong Lions fan, I just can't bring myself to do it and then be disappointed. So I'm going to pick them to lose, and should they win, I'll be happy. Uh, in the divisional round, I have Seattle, uh, the two seed over Dallas, the three seed. Um, New Orleans, who had the bye, I have them beating San Francisco. So pretty chalky for me. Yeah. Well, I think and we then, all went pretty chalky, right? Or what was your uh, what's your championship game winner? The championship game is Seattle at, uh, at New Orleans, and I have New Orleans going to the Super Bowl. Dennis? Dennis and I are eerily similar. You and I just had the Packers and the Lions flipped, uh, but then have pretty much the same kind of winners in the 
the first round. And I had Cowboys as the three seed beating Seattle, the two seed. That was my slightly so not chalk. So I think Dennis was right. We don't have any fans in NOLA because all three of us are picking them to make the Super Bowl, which means it's not going to happen, and they're probably all never, pissed off with us right now. Never. Um, <laughs> I don't know. around and wrap well, around Drew Brees in a warm embrace at some point in time. If I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure all of us had them making the playoff or making the Super Bowl last year as well, and then they got knocked out in the first well, I, round. I so like four years in a row. I'm yeah, going to so. win. I don't care. I kind of feel bad now. So, I'm going to switch mine up. Eventually, what's going to happen is the this, and the 2020 is the season that the Saints are going to be in route, route to the Super Bowl, and every questionable penalty called, and some that don't exist, like Breeze is going to throw the ball to the left to Michael Thomas, and on the right, there's going to be a penalty against the defensive back on Emmanuel Sanders. Whether Thomas catches it, it's just going to be there. It's going to be payback this season. Just the Saints, you know, they're going to jump off sides, and it'll be a no call. It's just gonna, it's, it's going to be payback. Season. Play the Vikings, they're going to be fine, and none of us think the Vikings are getting in there. Yeah. So, all right, so that that'll do it for us today. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with our AFC, and then we'll obviously pick our Super Bowl winner as well because we'll be able to talk about who we have going into the AFC. Uh, I mentioned it at the beginning of the the uh, podcast uh, in the intro. We do have a Discord channel now, so if you follow any of us, you can hit us up in our DMs. We will give you a link to that if you want any help. We're there to help you guys with your teams. All different kinds of stuff in there. As I mentioned, it's kind of coming up into those big draft weekends. So if you need help with your drafts or anything, we got five different analysts in there to willing to help you at all times. We're we're really having fun with that. Got some other stuff planned out throughout the season. So we're excited about that. Reach out to any of us if you want to jump in on that. Other than that, we will talk to you guys again on Thursday. Have yourselves a great day. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there.